You're Locked On The Hockey Jets, your daily podcast on the Winnipeg Jets. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Locked on Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets, our podcast Twitter. As always, if you enjoyed this episode and want to make sure you stay tuned for the latest and greatest in Winnipeg Jets news and analysis, as well as catch up on previous episodes you may have missed already, be sure to like, follow, and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform of choice, including Apple, Spotify, Google, Megaphone, and the Odyssey app. Doing so is free, greatly appreciated, and make sure you never miss another episode. On tonight's episode, I wanted to cover a couple of different topics, uh, more specifically what the Jets should do at the trade deadline. I've got two particular scenarios that I think make a lot of sense. And then after we talk about some of these scenarios the Jets could opt for, at the end we'll take a look at some of the scorelines from around the league and talk a little bit about Winnipeg's next matchup. Let's start off with the trade deadline stuff though, and in this case we're talking about Winnipeg as potential buyers. I think a lot of folks right now are sort of on the fence as to what the Jets should do. For me, there are two schools of thought. If the Jets are in fact buyers, then what they need to do is, instead of uh, looking around for like a really expensive option like Matias Ekholm, which it sounds like the Jets aren't really interested in doing because they demanded Vili Heinle be part of the trade package, then the Jets are going to have to shop a little more frugally. I mentioned that I would like to see if David Savard could be had for cheap, even though some folks on Twitter did note he's probably not going to be available for a lower price, which I, I would probably agree with. Where things may slightly shake out differently, and it's it's hard to say because I don't know that we've really had a trade deadline like this, but, you know, for one thing, the Jets are going to have like a seven-day quarantine process. And due to the, the, the shortened nature of the schedule, I also wonder if you were to compare this against the number of games that an average player traded at the trade deadline would actually start with their new team, especially in like the final stretch of the season... Is it more, less, or the same as the previous schedule? Because if it would be less, then maybe that actually does deflate some of the prices. The more tangible issue is that a lot of teams are just kind of broke financially because of the lack of revenue. So if there aren't that many teams that are looking to buy, especially in a situation like this where many teams would have to wait for a quarantine and they would probably have at least some issues paying some of the salaries anyways, then you have to wonder if, in fact, the trade market this year is actually going to be that great. A lot of teams are probably going to want to make moves in advance of the whole Seattle Kraken situation, and the trade deadline is going to be a bit of a weird one. We don't really have any sort of precedent for something where you're trading during a COVID crisis. And so to be honest, if in fact the Jets are buyers, I would say that it might not be a bad idea to wait at least a little bit to see what starts to shake out towards the trade deadline. I don't think the Jets are particularly in on David Savard, which sounds like, you know, Winnipeg in fact got priced out of it. I'd be fine with that because, as far as I'm concerned, Savard is not really somebody who moves the needle, and if Columbus is asking for, like, a first and a prospect, which is not that far off from what Ekholm was being asked for, I'm not super into that. You know, Winnipeg's first in this year is going to be a later first-round pick, so it's not, like, as valuable, obviously, but if you're also packaging, like, an NHLer or some sort of a prospect in it, that, that package is not exactly small. And Savard's not really the kind of modern-day defender, especially the aggressive puck-moving one, I'd be looking for. I want somebody who contributes a lot to offense and defense in equal measure. 
Now, given that Savard is probably not going to be in the realm of affordability and really desirability from Winnipeg's perspective, two names have surfaced a lot recently, one of them being Mike Riley. Now, Riley for Ottawa has been very good. He's a really quality two-way defender who's very strong on the puck, you know, barring the last game against the Jets where he kind of struggled a bit. The rest of his past few seasons look very competent. I would say that he's probably like a lighter version of Pionk without the shooting. He's definitely somebody who likes to skate with control. He can get the puck up the ice. His defensive awareness isn't exactly great under pressure, but it's probably enough. And I don't really know how highly, uh, you know, Ottawa values him. If he's somebody who's considered an instrumental part of their team, he'll probably come with a decent price tag, which, you know, I would think wouldn't be unfair. I probably would be a little bit hesitant to pay, like, a first rounder per se might be a bit much, but if you can get something more like a DeMello kind of deal, that would be an ideal trade. I'd also be looking at Dmitry Kulikov, but it sounds like Kulikov is currently linked to the Bruins, and if the Bruins are involved, it might be a larger trade package. So, um... Kulikov is an interesting one. This year, he's sort of exploded and become a bit of a, a really reliable two-way defender who is really effective in the offensive zone, too. As a puck mover for New Jersey, he's had something of a renaissance season, and frankly, at levels that we're not used to. I don't think that he would exactly do the same thing for the Jets, especially if Winnipeg is a bit more conservative and doesn't really allow him to activate as much. But Kulikov is probably the kind of guy who's not going to be super expensive. Maybe like a second round pick or something gets the deal done. And I must stress this is all a bit of speculation. I don't really know what the trade deadline market is going to look like because I don't really know how many teams are going to be buyers. But that's just sort of like where my headspace is at right now. Another candidate that has been discussed is Josh Manson from the Anaheim Ducks, and to be honest, I'm very lukewarm on this deal. In fact, I'm actually against it. If you're looking to trade for a D under contract control, or in this case, something like um, age control with a younger player like Vince Dunn, I think you want to go for the Dunn type more so than the Manson type. Josh has a, a few years left on his contract, and I don't really think he's all that great compared to where he was a couple of years ago. And considering the asking price is basically what the Ekholm package was going for, I'm not really interested in bringing on Manson's salary. Do I think he's a, a good right-handed defender? Maybe. He's definitely not been as effective over the past couple of seasons, and I'm not really eager to pay assets to find out if, in fact, he can be a competent top-four guy. For the Jets, I think that this trade deadline needs to be more on the smaller scale. They're not going to get what they need, which is like a top-end, you know, first-pairing defender. If they want to buy, do what they did last year and look for like a DeMello kind of player. I think if you find somebody who's sort of in that vein of, of price range and skill sets, the Jets can kind of get away with what they have. You know, their forward unit is pretty good. Um, generally speaking, it's not perfect, but it's it's decent enough to where I think they can kind of get by. Their defense with an addition of the the smart variety would be, you know, serviceable. Not good. And probably still bad at times, but certainly better than it's been. Uh, I would I would recommend that they rearrange the pairings, of course. You know, Morrissey needs to play with DeMello. DeMello is not always perfect, but he's definitely a more stabilizing force, and Morrissey tends to have his best results with Dylan. You bring in a Mike Riley or even somebody like Troy Stetcher if he could be had for a reasonable price, then you could put him on the second pairing with Neil Pionk or whoever else. I think Derek Forbord is best as like a third pairing defender. And Forbort, Pullman, or or I guess Stanley Pullman, whatever third pairing you want to run, that's very fine. I think that that's a pairing that works well. Pullman, Stanley, in limited minutes has had pretty good results, so I feel comfortable in trusting them with at least like 10 to 11 minutes a night. I think that that's doable, and it, it gives the Jets enough of a boost to where they can actually perform a little bit better and be more aggressive, but it's also not coming at a huge cost. With how much remains to be seen with Seattle's expansion process, I don't really want the Jets to overcommit to any really big names unless it's somebody like Dunn who you would absolutely protect. Now, bit of a hot take, if I'm the Jets and I'm thinking about this decision, I have an alternative proposal. 
I don't think the Jets should really do anything at the trade deadline except maybe one or two depth moves. In just a moment, we'll explore why. But before we go any further, I did want to tell you a little bit about why rockauto.com needs to be your one-stop shop for all your auto part buying needs. Buying auto parts is always a bit of a tricky process. You might not know what you're looking for, but even if you do, you may not know if you're actually getting the best pricing. If you want to stop wasting time and money, look no further than rockauto.com. RockAuto.com is a family-run business with over 20 years of experience in the automotive industry. Their easy-to-use, intuitive website allows you to sort by make, year, and model of your vehicle, and set a price range filter so you always get the parts that you need at the prices you want. Whether you're looking for a new engine control module or a floor mat replacement, RockAuto.com is sure to have what you need in stock. And best of all, you could save anywhere from 20, 30, even 50% off retail brick-and-mortar in-store pricing. Why shop anywhere else when RockAuto.com has the best selection and pricing in the industry? Go to rockauto.com to place your order today, and when you're at checkout, be sure to write locked on in the how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, visit rockauto.com today. Get the car parts you need at the prices you want. Welcome back to this edition of the Locked on Winnipeg Jets podcast. We are talking about some uh, bit of hot button topics in, in terms of Jets land and the trade deadline. Earlier in the show, I talked about how I felt like Winnipeg has a couple of different trade deadline options, and one choice is to become a buyer. That's if the Jets feel like they can make a run, but I I also sort of put a little bit of a stop to, like, a full spending spree, you know? As far as the Jets are concerned, if they're looking to make a splash at the trade deadline, I would rather them be more efficient and look for more value adds than really high-end options, because I feel like the trade market's going to be a weird one, and I'm not really looking to acquire a Matiasek home for somebody like Vili Heinola in exchange. In fact, Heinola has a lot to do with why I feel the actual best choice for Winnipeg is probably to mostly stand pat, unless you're looking to bring in somebody who can stabilize your, your bottom pairings or something. I'm not really convinced that Winnipeg's best option is to be a buyer. I I think that they actually have some internal assets that they need to evaluate first. Heinola is chief among them. Vili is really gifted. I think everyone knows this. We know that from his Liga days, he was an absolutely dominant Finnish defender, especially as a teenager. When he got called up to the World Juniors, Heinola was Johnny on the spot as one of their absolute rocks on the back end, and, and frankly captained so much of that team's transition play, their back end play, defensive reads, breakouts power play sequences, Heinola just does it all. And yes, he will absolutely make mistakes. He's very much a kid. Sometimes his his stature does get to him a little bit against some of the more physically aggressive players, but for the most part, Heinola is super smart. He knows how to elude pressure. He's very good at creating breakouts off of his stick or off of his skates. And while he might not be like the world's most fleet of foot skater, Heinola just seemingly doesn't let it get to him. He's more than mobile enough. He's got really good vision. His IQ and decision making are all top notch. Heinola needs to be getting NHL minutes. I've said this many times before on the podcast, but I really feel like Heinola is one of the most untapped resources the Jets have yet to really take advantage of. And I feel like when you're talking about a playoff run in a COVID-shortened season in which the, the team that you're dressing probably still has a few internal tweaks they could make to get it to an ideal state, I don't know why you wouldn't try Heinola. There's been a couple of interesting arguments as to why the Jets haven't done so, and one of the biggest ones is that they're trying to slide his ELC. But one of the interesting counterpoints to this theory is that if you actually use his contract earlier, you'll actually have to pay less down the road, because it's less likely that he'll have higher performances when he's younger than it is when he starts to get older and more into his prime. So you might actually be paying for better performances once he's out of his ELC if you delay it by one more year. Makes sense, right? You're probably paying more for prime performances. And so I look at the Heinola situation and I don't really get why the Jets haven't been using him. I think he fixes a lot of what the Jets are struggling with right now. 
in terms of transitioning out of their own end, getting through the neutral zone, having creativity on the power play outside of unit number two, and really balancing the defensive pairings. If you put Heinola with Dylan DeMello and make that your de facto, I don't know, second pairing or something, you're going to be living pretty good, because I feel like Forbort Pionk or, or something like that is probably okay. Maybe Morrissey Pionk is the better pairing, I'm not 100% sure. Because Forbort has been struggling in, in his current role as like a second pairing defender, I don't quite know where you would put him other than moving him to the third pairing, but it then does create a bit of a vacuum to find somebody who can play alongside Neil, and I'm not really sure if Morrissey is the guy that I would entrust with this. I feel like their results together, they're not like atrocious or anything, but I wouldn't really be comfortable with it either. So let's just assume that for all intents and purposes, you have to split time or at least make it closer for Forbort and Pionk and then DeMello and Heinola. It would allow you to take some of the pressure off of Josh Morrissey, who, you know, he has had a few better games in recent times, but by the same token, Josh has really struggled this season. I don't think it's going to be a, a significant shift towards the end of the season that he's he's going to suddenly come back to being a really good top four guy. If his current form were to hold, I mean, it'd obviously be a huge improvement over what we've been seeing from Morrissey over the past couple of months, but it's not something that I'm really expecting, and so I would rather measure out his ice time a little bit more carefully. Give him softer deployments, get him some pairings that don't really stress him, and put him against competition where he doesn't have to be the lead number one guy. If you split all three pairings roughly evenly, I feel like it's slightly more livable. I probably wouldn't do that because you're still giving Morrissey like 20 minutes a night, which I don't know if I'm I'm a huge fan of. I think I would probably give Josh something closer to like 16 or 17, maybe less in an ideal world, but obviously he's being paid to be a top pairing guy, so that's not happening. But I, I feel like Heinola really gives you so much more roster flexibility and deployment ability than what the Jets currently have. Now, of course, this would be assuming we live in an ideal world and the coaching staff sort of thinks along this sort of premise, but obviously Paul Maurice and Charlie Huddy do see the defense differently than I do, uh, and certainly evidenced by the fact that Tucker Pullman is playing with Josh Morrissey on the current first pairing, but you can only do so much. Um, so I, I feel like when weighing your options at the trade deadline, I, I really feel like Winnipeg just doesn't need to do all that much, and I, I don't know why I feel like this is the best option, but... I sort of look at the fact that the Jets have a lot of decisions to make when it comes to Seattle. They've got a lot of free agents coming up. Winnipeg doesn't have a ton of cap room to work with. And I also really feel like the Jets just aren't that close to being like a really good Stanley Cup competitor. On paper, this team looks pretty okay and maybe one or two pieces away. But when you actually see how all the, the parts function together under the current systems, you kind of get the sense that the Jets are probably not that close. Bringing in David Savard or Matias Ekholm doesn't really change that, so I'm not really a huge fan of bringing in like a major deadline splash. Look in the margins for guys like Riley or, or maybe Troy Stetcher or some of these other puck-moving D who aren't really as appreciated by some of the top teams, but can still provide you good value. We'll see how the Jets feel about it, it's going to be an interesting one. But I'm hoping that Winnipeg makes the smart choice and at least tries to avoid spending too much without at least checking internally to see if a real roster fix is sitting right inside their, their, their locker room or their taxi squad already. I'd be curious to know your thoughts on this, so be sure to let me know at HLLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. What would you do? Would you be a buyer, a seller, or nothing at all? Give me your best responses, and maybe I shall talk about them on the next episode. That will wrap up our trade deadline coverage for now until we start actually getting towards the trade deadline and maybe some more hypothetical rumors or stuff starts to leak out and we actually have some content to discuss. For now, though, we turn our attention to actual NHL action in just a moment. But before we give you some updates around the league, I did want to tell you about a couple of really quick things. First, I wanted to let you know about why you should have Locked On Today in your daily podcast rotation. 
Get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. I also wanted to give you a heads up about why betonline.ag should be the only place you do your online betting. When it comes to the wild, wild west of online betting, you need to know that there's a single name you can trust that's safe, convenient, and reliable. That's why you should look no further than betonline.ag. They're the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports action. Football might be over, but the NHL, basketball, NBA, international soccer, and so many other sports are all in full swing. Not into sports? No problem. BetOnline has your back, because they also cover awards, TV shows, and reality TV, featuring real-time updated ads and props in almost anything you can imagine. Whether you want to place a bet on the next Stanley Cup champion, or who you think is getting voted off your favorite reality TV show next, BetOnline is also your one-stop source for all the news, scores, and odds you need to make the most informed bets possible. Stop sitting on the sidelines and get in on the action today. Getting started with BetOnline is super easy. Just go to betonline.ag, register for a free account, and when you do, be sure to use promo code LOCKEDON to receive a 50% welcome bonus on your very first deposit. Again, that is promo code LOCKEDON for a 50% welcome bonus on your very first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Welcome back to this episode of the Locked on Winnipeg Jets podcast. We are briefly closing out with a few updates from around the league tonight as we are still underway with some live NHL action, but we'll cover the scores that have actually resolved first. We have Buffalo defeating New Jersey 5-3, which apparently Buffalo has won nine games and four of them have come against the Devils. So yeah, read into that what you will. Not exactly great to have half of your season wins against one team, but hey, I guess that's how a lot of teams have viewed the Ottawa Senators. So what goes around comes around. Up next, we also had Boston defeating Philadelphia 4-2. I believe uh, somebody in this game had a hat trick. Yes, indeed, and in fact was Bergeron, which is a, uh, a fun one. I don't remember the last time Patrice actually had a hattie, so it's it's been a little bit of time, I do believe. The Flyers, um, yeah, I don't really know what to make of this team. I, I feel like they often play better than the scoreline shows, but by the same token, they also have a lot of really bad defensive brain farts, and the goaltending has been pretty atrocious. They're like a really bad, bizarro version of the Jets somehow, which is kind of funny to say. Winnipeg is obviously better, but, you know, the Flyers feel like a mirror of what could happen if everything kind of collapsed for the Jets and Hellebuck suddenly started sucking. So, don't look too closely. Don't want to uh, imagine that too much. We've also got Washington falling to the Islanders 1-0. Um, I got to catch some of this game. Washington definitely struggled defensively. This was a game in which the Islanders just seemingly drove to the slot at every single chance. And the Caps really just struggled to find good scoring lanes. And then even when they did, it either got cleared away or there were some really good saves. And it just sort of felt like it was inevitable that the Islanders would actually be the ones to break the Tyler score. Just because this team had been driving towards the slot, really good possession and control, great force turnovers. Not a super ideal showing from Washington. But it's probably not as bad as what the Pens did against the Rangers, losing 8-4. to four. Pittsburgh actually controlled most of this game, but unfortunately, when your goaltending is off, it's not going to look pretty against the Rangers, who, for some reason, have suddenly unlocked Mika Zibanejad's ability to score, but to be fair, the rest of the roster has actually been doing pretty well. Adam Fox was very much heavily featured on the score sheet tonight. Heedle, Panarin, some of these other guys also definitely uh, in the mix too, so very interesting team they have. It's not a great one, but a a squad that you could see causing some noise in the postseason if they were to make a run, so long as their goaltending would hold, but I would not exactly be be looking to buy if I were the Rangers GM. We've also got Carolina beating the Panthers 5-2. It'll be curious to see how the Panthers cope without Aaron Ekblad. I I think Aaron was very important to that back end and a lot of what they did. So it'll be interesting to see if that team either continues their current run of form, which has for the most part been pretty outstanding. Lots of great offensive contributions from guys like Barkov. 
or if that lack of Ekblad's presence on the back end, especially in transition and in defense, actually starts to make a bit of a difference in the near future. We've also got Columbus beating Tampa Bay 4-2. The Jackets were sorely in need of a big win, certainly one to at least restore some sort of morale. They've frankly been in the dumps for a while now, and I don't really feel like beating the Lightning says that much about the team, but hey, at least they were able to defeat them once. Aside from that, we also had Nashville beating Detroit 3-2 in a shootout. Apparently the Red Wings were not so good, but somehow still kept it close enough. Sometimes they play like a team that should call itself the Dread Wings instead, but hey, Detroit has been a little bit more fun this season. At least they can be slightly competitive at times. Not very good, but still, you know, it's one of those teams that you see occasionally a sign of hope from some of their young stars like Zadina. Our, our final game that we have that's actually finished is Chicago beating Dallas 4-2. No clue if either of these teams was actually good or if they were both bad because at times the stars have definitely fallen off this season and uh, Chicago, also not great. I think in, in Dallas's defense, they've had a lot of issues. COVID sort of ran through the team earlier this year. So it's been a, a bit of an uneven season for them. But, you know, Chicago, another squad that's kind of a pain to play. They can be a bit like New York in, in that they're definitely a fast countering team with some decent scorers. And Kevin Lankinen, who's apparently been pretty good in net. So overall, a very weird team. Um, a lot of these teams that are bad this year, they definitely keep it close. You could say parity in the NHL is still a thing, but I also just feel like the structure of how the league is right now and the general weirdness during this post, uh, post-COVID post situation has made the NHL more of a wide-open competition than it was in previous seasons. So I don't really know who's going to win the cup, but it is going to be a very interesting race to the final run of teams. Hopefully the Jets are among them. That is all the score lines that we have for you tonight, though, and we'll also wrap up this episode. Before you log off, be sure to check out Locked On Fantasy Hockey. Be a waiver wire winner with daily fantasy hockey advice from Locked On Fantasy Hockey. Fantasy hockey expert Scott Cullen gives you the tips, insights, and analysis for season-long, dynasty, and DFS league. Follow the Locked On Fantasy Hockey podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your favorite shows. And as always, thanks for listening, have a great night, and go Jets go!